0: My name is Eli Drake, here we are the NWA, you're talking about history being made right now, today, right down the street, we're going down there to the GPB Studios, and we're going to bring a little taste of the past, a little flavour of the future for you. Hello, my name's Adam Spring, and this is a Remotely Interested podcast, hosted at remotely-interested.com for some, and remotely-interested.com for others and that soundbite at the beginning was from Eli Drake and it's a little bit of an indicator of what we're going to be talking about today and I'm going to introduce my my partner in crime as always Ravi Abbott but I'm also going to apologize to him as well so I'm sorry Ravi that we're doing another wrestling episode. Uh, It's been a bit of a wrestle fest
1: recently but I've kind of really enjoyed it you know um, I'm learning a lot and uh There's a lot of stuff that's actually related to wrestling that I really didn't think it was initially.
0: Yeah, so I knew that if and when we did a wrestling um, episode that we may have another one down the line somewhere, in some way, shape or form. But what I didn't imagine to happen was to have a trilogy of sorts happening from 24 before 25, because this is not episode 25. This is a special report, and this special report is on Studio Wrestling, because there has been, on September the 30th and October the 1st of 2019, to give this a little timestamp, the first time in pretty much over three decades, Studio Wrestling is about to come back, Ravi.
1: Well, you were telling me we actually have two guests and uh, two interviewees for this podcast, so um, how are we going to structure it?
0: So, our guests for this report, and one of them I, I'd never ever foreseen us getting, is... David Marquez, who has had a long history in both television production and the world of professional wrestling. And then our other guest is somebody that you may know for his, his day job, which is a band called the Smashing Pumpkins. And that is Billy Corgan, or as he is, as the, uh, the owner of the National Wrestling Alliance, William Patrick
1: Corgan. That's crazy that, uh, you know, you've got a a rock star, basically. Out there in the uh, wrestling scene nowadays, and a very famous one at that.
0: Yeah, so there's always been a little bit of uh, a parallel with the music world because Rick Rubin was involved as well. Which, if you go to the show, ah, no- okay, yeah. yeah, if you go to the show notes of episode twenty-four, I actually reference it in there. But this was, you know, it was totally unscripted um, and really that's you know kind of a, a parallel to the show that uh, I went and seen last night as I'm as I'm talking to you about this because I did go to the studio show, uh, show last night Ravi so the way we're going to structure this one today is we are going to go into David first then we're going to come out and we're going to basically have a little bit of a discussion about it then we're going to go into William Patrick Corgan's discussion and then we're going to come out of that again. And I'll also let you know that because the the way I recorded the audio, the audio on David and William Patrick Corgan stroke Billy Corgan is great, but I'll probably re-record some of my end because I wasn't focusing on me. I was focusing on them.
1: And it was it was kind of live in a gym, wasn't it, as well?
0: It was actually live in a hard rock cafe. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, Classy, my friend. Classy. It was hard rock cafe. So that's the way we're going to do it. And... I guess the best way to do it is, is, Ravi, do you want to introduce our first guest?
1: Yeah, so our first guest is David Marquez.
2: Well, like you said, I, all I've ever done was produce studio wrestling. Um, even if it was in a big arena, we blocked it like studio wrestling, you know? We, we always knew what had to look good on camera, and I mean, even the WWE does studio wrestling. They just don't call it that because they're at Madison Square Garden or the Staples Center or wherever. Um, there's, there's one way to shoot wrestling. And uh, I, there's a lot of people who tried breaking that line. Ring of Honor tried it on HDNet. You know, they had cameras kind of flying around, and it didn't work. Uh, SmackDown tried it for a little while. It didn't work. Uh, so you go back to the standard uh, camera setups and whatnot. AEW, I think, thought that they were going to go a different direction with their production, too. And when you look at their, their plot, their arena plots, it's identical to Raw. So there's only one way to really do this. Um, but it, it feels really good to come back into a studio setting uh, my show Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is done the exact same way we're just in a theater yep. not, not not a um, uh, thank you not not necessarily uh, a studio but over the years if you've been watching our stuff as long as you have you've noticed that we went from a, a studio facility yep. it was called the Glendale Studios yep. and I was just explaining this to someone else asking questions if you could imagine Uh, of all of my production uh, the best of the Glendale Studios Ocean View Pavilion where we're at now and you add in their Georgia Championship Wrestling, Memphis Wrestling and probably Smoky Mountain Wrestling that's what you guys are going to see aesthetically uh, with this version of NWA Power so uh, it's really cool to actually sit there and see the layout and the plot and I've done stuff here actually I was at the Techwood Studios in the beginning of my career and the stuff uh, early on in WCW Um, with Harley Race and Gordon Soley. So I've been very fortunate to peek in on a lot of things in Channel 5 in Memphis with Randy Hales and Jerry Jarrett and and, uh, Corey Macklin. Uh, So I've done a lot more than people probably realize and been around uh, way longer than people realize. I'll be 30 years in February in wrestling.
0: That's impressive. That's a long time in wrestling as well. And and still have a a
2: better than decent name. So, uh, no, I'm very proud of what we've done. And like you said, yes, I've championed studio wrestling. I love studio wrestling. And I'm proud that William and David love studio wrestling too, and we'll be able to present it that way.
0: There has never been a better time for the history of wrestling. You know, in the old days, it would have been analog tape swapping. But now we have the ability through things like YouTube and streaming services to really get all flavors of whatever type of wrestling you actually want from whatever era. How important do you think it is to look to the past and look at the history of wrestling? And I guess in a way as well, not to necessarily focus on just one aspect of its history, but to get an overview, shall we say?
2: I think the history of pro wrestling is extremely important you can't <clears throat> you always have to go back to the fundamentals of whatever it is like I'm a big animation buff oh, cool. so you you have to go back to the early days of uh, of McKay and yeah. the early Felix the cats into the early Mickey Mouse's and Coco the clowns if you're really want to bring animation if you've noticed with the trends yeah, so in animation recently <clears throat> and where they're taking that and, and trying to not reinvent it but put a twist on it for newer eyes, but it's really traditional stuff. Uh, when you watch professional sports on television, it always goes back to the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, you know, uh, that wide world of sports mantra. In pro wrestling, exact same thing. I don't think we need to dwell on, and we, in pro wrestling, for some reason people love to dwell on the past and not celebrate the past. Yeah. Um you, you can't you can't move forward if you're stuck. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know,
2: and again with uh, a huge Walt Disney fan me, uh, yeah. as the man Walt Disney. Yeah. Uh he would he always said Disneyland's not a museum. You have to always plus it, you have to always change it. It always has to evolve. Yeah. And every time like a, a favorite attraction goes away, there's an uproar about it you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but you have to make way for now i don't i didn't want to see the rivers of america at disneyland cut in half so that they can build star wars uh, experience yeah but that's yeah. what they did yeah and i went there and it's a beautiful looking thing i'm not a star wars fan i'd much rather sit on the mark twain and go around the rivers of america and and, and and so and, and enjoy and yeah. enjoy that additional seven minutes of just floating in the water um but to me, pro wrestling is the exact same way um you have to go back, you have to celebrate, but don't be stuck in it. You, you really have to push forward. Like what we did with Adam Pearce and Colt Cabana and that seven levels of hate stuff, yeah. we took, from what I feel, the very best of the fundamentals of presenting professional wrestling and storytelling and allowed Adam and Colt to to really amplify that in, an and I hate the word indie, but, but in that modern sense, the modern sense for the modern people to understand it, the Internet influenced the fans yeah. uh, and feel like it's theirs. Yeah. But in reality, what we were doing was just Bill Watts brawls yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah, yeah. bloody messes and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and we had the opportunity to do that. At least I was a part of six of the seven. Uh, the seventh was taken away from me. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's, it's, it, it, it's exciting to go back. I, again, don't dwell, celebrate move forward and progress
0: similar to colt cabana who built up a wonderful sort of independent uh, wrestler vibe around him and you've done the same thing in a way in terms of your position in professional wrestling and you know as you said uh, prior to this you know as a nice guy which i think is awesome where do you think in terms of you know i guess in a way looking at it from the distribution point of view there's never been a better time with the internet for wrestling to be around how do you think the internet has been important, or has it been important, to wrestling?
2: I think the internet has changed wrestling 200% and that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, I, uh, I'm i very much a traditionalist. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, when things were really being exposed, probably when you started getting into it. Um, Uh, from that level, we couldn't keep secrets anymore. And secrets are important to what we do. When you expose everything uh, to the public, you know, the magic's not there. Going back to Disney, you don't go to a Disney park and say in your mind, you're gonna go stand in line to meet a four foot girl standing in in a mouse costume. No, you're going to see Mickey Mouse. You know, and that's that imagination. In pro wrestling's the same thing. You want you want to keep that mystique, you know, but the internet exposes that, and that's what they do. Everybody on the net. Everybody's everybody knows better. Everyone's smarter than the next guy. And just like William said, you can operate at a loss. I did for many years yeah. to build a brand. Like people don't remember necessarily all the New Japan stuff I did for five years. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's just not out. Comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It no. It's, it's, yes. Uh, yeah. So you know it's. You just have to forget about it, not listen to it, move on. But the internet has changed wrestling like some ways for the best, but some ways for the worst, you know. Jimmy Cornett's a prime example, not to bring that up right now. But it's, <laughs> it's uh, I, and, and, and I, I believe most of the time, 90% of Jim, I agree with. So, you know, it's, it's just the public tries to change the narrative for whatever reason.
0: So Ravi, what did you
1: think of what David had to say? I thought it was really interesting because the stuff that I've seen, as I've mentioned before in the podcast, has been like 90s wrestling. And I guess, you know, with the rise of the Internet, um, that whole thing about exposing secrets is really interesting because uh, before, I guess they could control it, they could control the image, control the drama. But now it's probably spilled out. There's leaked videos of stuff, you know, and uh, it may be harder to kind of, Ma- maintain that wrestler's personality or persona
0: yeah and the other side of it is i also thought considering that we've had a catmo on his uh, the way david referenced disney you know and looking at the what disney was doing so it's yeah. you know it's clear that they really think about the storytelling from a technical point of view as well which i imagine is a lot of where the history comes into it as well particularly having seen a studio show in action now and how they set it all up it's definitely you know you're thinking about it from the point
1: of view of the lens of the camera and it's is maintaining that illusion isn't it and disney uh, masters of illusion that's yeah that's actually that's a very good point
0: i think the other thing that was really interesting about what David had to say was also you know that juxtaposition of how the internet has changed everything to the versus the way it was previously and like you were saying about you know not just the the mystique of it but I guess the interactions with the fans as well right
1: yeah definitely and I guess there's more communities forming around it whereas you know you just usually find your few, few wrestling friends and then kind of uh, all discuss what happened on Sky or, or whichever channel you are watching it on. But now I guess you can go to forums, you can fully fully get immersed in it.
0: Yeah, and I think in a way, the one thing I've learned from dragging you on this odys- this wrestling odyssey that we've been on for the last uh, couple of outputs from the Remotely Interested channel is I think it's really teased out this idea of, you know, we discussed it before in episode 24 about theatre, but if you think about, you know, a good play as kind of like a mirror to society like holding up a mirror to society i think in a way
1: wrestling's similar right yeah and and it's always kept within the theater you know um you're not gonna go and go up to a west end or a broadway star when they're in the middle of a kfc or something but you know if if you were gonna do that with a wrestler you'd expect the wrestler to still have his personality i guess
0: yeah and the interesting thing about Recording this after I went to the studio event is being in the audience last night and throwing in a few things uh, that came out like Mama Storm and Dawson's Creek. You'll know more if you watch the the actual episodes of the NWA TV tapings, by the way. I think the interesting thing about that is there's an intimacy to it if you're doing it in that small kind of setting, right? Because the audience are interacting with the wrestlers in ways that they wouldn't necessarily if they're doing it in a larger stadium. Right? Because you can get instant feedback. So I thought that was very interesting. And tying it back to episode 24, I think it drew more of the themes... Out of that episode as well. When I was watching it, it was it was fascinating. Like I'll take you to a show, Ravi. I'm gonna take you to a wrestling show if
1: if you ever come visit. Definitely, it's really interesting. Actually, you say about feedback because if you think about it, with the television, they had literally no feedback from any of the customers. You know, you'd maybe get an idea of what merch they were buying, but you know, now with the internet, you're gonna get comments, you're gonna get likes, emojis, stuff like that, and. You can kind of gauge if something's being popular. Um, With TV, it was just ratings, really. That was probably the only interaction that they had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you should say that, because when we were outside the press event, I actually met a really nice guy called Jay Cal, who's been following the uh, NWA for an insanely long time. Like He's very, very detailed, even on the obscure stuff. And he was saying that one of his friends, actually, he looks at all of the analytics for this stuff. You know, so to be able to get that sort of analytical feedback now, yeah, you know, from like the audience pages
1: and fan pages, finding out your demographic, your uh, your kind of age of people watching, you know, the location, that's really essential, isn't it?
0: Yeah, especially when it comes to weaving in the narrative. So, I guess, you know, do you want to introduce Billy, or do you want me to introduce him? You go for it, Adam. Okay, so. Into part two of this report, Ravi, we are now going into our interview with Billy Corgan, and we are going into the part where we talk about the connection between the music industry and wrestling.
3: Uh, I've been asked that question a lot, and I've never really had a good answer. I mean, it's a similar ideological frame, but beyond that, I think it's just, it's kind of like gazing over the fence and thinking that looks like fun, and kind of romanticizing. What, is the, what it looks like on the other side, and of course, when you get in on the other side, you realize it's just as complicated. The business as the one you're in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when I worked with Rick um, last couple of years, all he wants to do is talk about wrestling, and he talks some about working uh, with Jim Cornette and Smoky Mountain, and you know, losing a bunch of money and. <laughs> You know, but he, he he loved it, and he really, and he still goes to you know WrestleMania and stuff like that. So, I don't know if you grew up on it and you love it and you have access. I think maybe that changes the dynamics. I mean, part of the way I got sucked into wrestling was I would go to shows in the late '90s and early 2000s, and I got to know people. You know, I became friends with people, and, and I would, as a fan, I would have never had that entree. You know, but then they would also trust me with stuff because they thought, well, he's in the business by extension. So they would tell me stuff, kayfabe stuff, and. I, so you got the robot effect, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to call Jeremy Borash on the phone like during the WCW Russo meltdown days and get the get the inside dirt on like, the shit that was going on. I just couldn't believe what he was telling me. You know, I was just like some fan watching the shows in 1999 or 2000, whatever, and then I'd get the, the inside Jeremy Borash report. <coughs> So I just got sucked in. I just thought the business is so fascinating. I'm still fascinated by the business. Um, I guess that's part of my motivation is I actually want to change the business and update it to more of a uh, a more fair, talent-positive, 21st-century mindset, get it out of the old days where there's this sort of contentious behind-the-scenes relationship between management and, and talent. I think I think we're into a different era now. And I think you see with UFC where they at some point they start to wrap their head around the fact that they need to be they don't just need to be in the fight business they need to be in the personality business so a guy like chuck liddell remains valuable to the ufc past a fighting career or a george st pierre or in the old wrestling mentality well if you weren't going to go out and take bumps i got no use for you and and i I think the nwa is the perfect vehicle where we can have that balance of of uh, the legends and i mean it's perfect for us i mean we we have no problem with it we we think as long as you can walk and talk and, and people know who you are, you're, you're part of the product. You, you know, um, you know, Magnum TA is a perfect example. You know, it hasn't wrestled for how many years since, since the, you know, the, the tragic, not only do I remember the guy's a tremendous promo, has a tremendous knowledge, tremendous history. I mean, why is he not in the business more? Uh, to me, the fact that he's not an active wrestler is, kind of irrelevant and i don't mean that in any disrespectful way to how his wrestling career and i'm saying is like this is a man who has value talent charisma you know and and i'm and i'm like i want him in the business i don't want him like the guy that you you know bring out every once in a while i'm i I want him in oh my god are you you kidding me it's like talk about a resource i mean just to even just have his knowledge around and i I just that's what i love about the nwa is it's a it's a very comfortable portal to work past, present and future. It's comfortable where if it was Billy Corgan wrestling, it would be hard to make that argument because people say, Oh, it's more vainglorious. Like, you know, you're doing your version of wrestling. It's like, no, I'm doing what is really the traditional version of wrestling. Um, and I, I do feel there's a fan base that still really responds to that historical connection. And to me, you see it in every other major sport, you see it in soccer, you see it in baseball, you know, the legends are part of the, the universe. Um, and and the kayfabe part of wrestling oftentimes turns its back on sort of the past because they they don't want to be reminded or they want to kind of always live in this hyper present. I get it, but for me, I I don't like that as a business model.
0: The territory model that historically the NWA followed, in a way, kind of mirrors things like decentralized media. So like YouTube and you know the way in which it's now it's difficult to have like a centralized hub of stuff you can pretty much get anything out there in various different ways and obviously the NWA territory system where you had different territories but you had commingling of talent and then core talent there's there's kind of a similarity there I was wondering if I could get your thoughts on that
3: look look at the look at the the the, the, the diminishing hegemony of the New York Times and how they've now they've become hyper-partisan they've gone from the industry standard to like they had to pick a side to maintain their readership and now they've gone hyper-political and which undercuts their core value and uh, to me that's really strange it's like of course it would be decentralized at some point you can't there's nobody can
0: remain
3: nobody can have a hegemony over anything i mean the nfl numbers are declining you know people are spending their entertainment dollars different millennials are coming up and they're spending money on video games but not sitting and watching a three-hour football game live like we used to and i think it's just a changing world that's why that's why i like the idea of a more faster harder hitting product that's more sort of in, in lockstep with current culture yeah. as opposed to having revert back on the, the traditional model of the last 30 years of the, the big promo at the top. And the, I, I, to me, I and I'm not, I don't mean that's bad. It's perfect if that, I mean, if I was in that position, I maybe would do the same thing. It's advertiser based and tradition based. But for me as an outlier, we should change. We, we don't have, to, we have no rules like at all.
0: I mean, even if you look at the iconography of the bouts and the way in which you've obviously got the £10 of gold, but you've reintroduced, you know, some of the, the older ones, clearly there's a strong cultural memory there. It's it's very interesting.
3: Yeah, and even I used to have these arguments in TNA. Why is every match six minutes? Or why is every match 12 minutes? Like, why don't we have two-minute matches? UFC comes out, and it's a big hype, and they do the hype for eight weeks, and the guy comes out and knocks the guy out in the first punch. And then the storyline becomes, how does he recover? Why don't we do that? Well, you know, you got to protect this, and it's like, why? Like, it's like saying to a Breaking Bad writer or a a writer for a, you know, Stranger Things, oh, you can't do that. You got to protect the, this sort of unwritten rule that every match should be no shorter than, you know. The wrestling gods have decreed. I mean, that's all That's all got to go. It's
0: interesting as well because Jim Cornette has also commented that MMA really is kind of now more pro wrestling than pro wrestling is.
3: To Dana White's credit, they stole all the heat off of wrestling and just left it in the dust. And I think wrestling has recovered. There was a time where I wasn't sure it was going to recover. I think it has recovered. But yeah, I mean, UFC just took that model of like, and, and even, you know, you'll see it with UFC matchups. They don't work babyface heel. Sometimes they work heel-heel. Some of the biggest matches are heel-heel. Just guys cutting the shit out of each other. Look at Khabib and and McGregor. I mean, who's the babyface in them? To their fans, they're babyfaces, but from a wrestling point, they're both heels. McGregor, uh, Khabib jumps out of the ring and right is it not drawn yeah, yeah, you yeah. think that if they do another if they do Khabib yeah. McGregor Toots not going to draw yeah. you think they're not going to use the promo packages of them cutting each other to ribbons and McGregor saying shit about Khabib's wife and going after you know his religion I mean you think they're going to leave that out I'm sorry that's just that's why people tune in to watch they like the, the resolution of the conflict
0: so originally, you had a twenty-year plan for the development of the NWA. Oh yeah, it's
3: where are still going. You,
0: where are you down year plan? About yeah, where two, two going years. years. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. I think um, it's very hard for people to understand, um,
2: uh,
3: and I don't mean it in any uh, condescending way. I think it's hard for people to understand that if you if you're going to if you're going to truly grow a business, um, there are things you're going to do that you're just going to have to accept. In year two, you're not going to get what you're going to get in year six. But if you do it right in year two, you'll get to year six, and that's sometimes it's hard to explain to people. Um, uh, you know, we've had very good, re, you know, partnership relationships with uh, Ring of Honor and stuff like that, where we've been able to use their stage and work within their world. So for this, is a big thing now. Okay, now we're stepping out on our own stage. But it took a long time to get here. I could have blown this money right out the door, and we could have done exactly what we're doing. But it it took this much time to actually build the relationships with talent, even for talent to buy, to buy into the idea of like, well, why would I sign with you as opposed to pick another company? Or why, when I can be on national TV, even though I'm making less money, I'm on t- you know, to explain to talent, like this is a different vision here. And and then to go out and execute it and show consistency and not waver every time, you know, uh, when, when, uh, you know, of course we'd heard all the, all the scuttlebutt, um, you know, mysteriously about two years ago out of nowhere Turner reached out to us and wanted to talk to us and we went and met there um, we talked about it a little bit but you know they pitched us on the whole model that basically became the AEW model with Turner now we don't know if that was an early like they wanted somebody we don't know we don't really know and at one point even after we heard the AEW thing was gonna happen Turner circled back to us again Maybe we were leveraging the deal, I, you know, we don't really know, but they were pitching us on what is now the AEW model, which is great because all power to them. I mean, fantastic platform and in uh, huge audience upside. But as you're wandering through the wilderness and, you know, we've always tried to keep our business very quiet about what we're doing. You know, you get this thing of like, well, why aren't you doing X, Y, or Z? And you keep saying, well, we don't have to. Like, Blowing money doesn't prove anything. How many promotions have started and died, or somebody from Hollywood throws in a million and...
0: I guess another side of it is, you've already proven yourself in a way because, you know, obviously, very successful musician and stuff, but with the NWA, really, you you know, you know don't have anything to prove.
3: I... I... Well, it goes even to the, the idea of offering the, the product for free. I mean, I played for free a million times. And then once the band became successful, when well, I've, I've been successful ever since. So trying to get the NWA to a status of relevancy where it's like it's considered creatively, emotionally, spiritually within the greater realm of wrestling, how do you calculate what's that, what that's worth?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: You know, ECW, which I loved, you know. Um, uh, even when they were doing, even when they were successful, a lot of the people treated it as still kind of like, well, it doesn't really belong or Jerry Lawler, extremely crappy wrestling or whatever. And in many ways, AEW is the grandchild of ECW as far as an outlier audience that pushes a product into the mainstream. And at some point, the mainstream has to respond to the innovation and the the fan base that that exists. But our particular point is, is slightly different where in ECW's case, and AEW's case, they want to innovate in the market and sort of push wrestling forward. We think there's a lot of people who've been left behind by the changes in the wrestling business in the last 30 years. We think there's a balance point between, let's call it the traditional value of wrestling, which never gets old, in my opinion, and then an innovative uh, position, which I think only I would take on. And we think in that balance and where we've shown flashes of it, we think we can, we, we can not only exist as a standalone brand within the market, but imitate us at your own peril, yeah, because yeah. it'll become very obvious if you're selling for a smaller company, like we're about to own the studio wrestling space. Yeah, yeah. Dave Marquez pointed out, you know, recently, you know, uh, you know uh, with with a wink that he's been doing studio wrestling for years, but he's been running a more traditional product where he's still trying to put on like, welcome to the thing and promos in the ring. I mean, we're going back to the old school Saturday morning format. So in my opinion, once we own the space and we're about to own the space, anybody who comes in the space, everyone's going to go, now you're just copying the NWA. Because no one's going to do it like we're going to do it. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, no no uh, ring entrances. No music. not
2: Old school. Yeah,
3: Yeah. And even talent's going, what do you mean? There's no yeah. We're going back to the old version of how you do stuff. Like, literally, like, here's your three things you got to hit. Go. Like, like no scripted promos. Wind you up. Go. We want the rough and tumble atmosphere. We want the... So you're going organic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Full organic. I mean, look at who's in the room. <laughs> but, I, but, I mean...
2: Talk, talk, talk,
3: talk. History. Yeah. Wind them up. Go. Get over, man. The old school way. Yeah, because for me as an entertainer, that's what I want. Yeah. I want the spot. Like, put the spot out of me. I'll fucking hit my marks. And so that's the that's the philosophy. So yeah, we're gonna go for it. So that's what I'm saying. Once we we believe that once we crack that door back open to the rebellious spirit that I grew up on, if anybody follows us in that gap, yeah. people like you are gonna go. Well <laughs> you guys are following them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and they're gonna follow us at their own peril because because we're gonna be innovators in the space. I mean that's how you build your rep that's Absolutely. how you build your street rep.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting as well because I actually came in through the town of, of sport. Yeah, yeah, right. So I guess that's kind same of, similar, yeah. That stuck with me without me actually realizing it too. thank you for talking. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people about World of Sport, you know. I've certainly of course seen some of the shows but um, I didn't grow up in it. I grew up in the Chicago version. You know, Saturday morning, day in the basement, here comes Dick the Bruiser, yeah, yeah.
0: you know. So this mini-odyssey that I, I've been on recently through the Remotely Interested podcast with episode 24, and then the extended piece with uh, Tyson Smith, an author of uh, Fighting for Recognition. It's been very interesting for me because the impetus has been, in a way, um, looking at how wrestling has traditionally always followed new media trends very very quickly
3: but it actually has to you see
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That as well,
3: well in, any, in many ways and i think this is one of the arguments that cody and the bucks are making that is that is is fair
1: yeah.
3: wwe through the nature of their position in the market as any like the nfl or whatever when you become that standard well by nature of the business you actually become a little bit more conservative because you have much more to lose. So what happens is that becomes the sort of the, the watermark and at some point the market starts to go, well, I want this or I want that or the fans start to respond to whatever yeah. and then here comes the innovation and i think now we're, we're we're just starting to feel this wave of innovation coming
1: absolutely yeah, yeah
3: so it's going to be fantastic and and for fans it's going to be really interesting to watch because yeah. uh, for every you know every three successes there'll be two failures and but that's fascinating you know if you're really a fan you'll enjoy the ride yeah. i think that the fact that wrestling has gotten out of politics wrestling has got out, gotten out of race wrestling has gotten out of, yeah. race, gotten out of social issues for many is, is actually to the detriment of wrestling. Wrestling used to be a cultural edge, say the thing that shouldn't be said, do the thing that shouldn't be done because at the end of the day, the good guy is supposed to come in. Like I, perfect example in, in a less politically correct era, um, you know, Chicago is the second biggest Polish city in the world. So Ivan Putsky, who was the Polish Superman, typical promo, out comes the guy, you know, P-word this and P-word that, you know, calling Butzky every horrible racist name in the book. And, of course, he's going to defend the honor of his people. I mean, and I'm not saying in politically uh, sensitive times we shouldn't be politically sensitive. What I'm saying is wrestling really should be at that, like like Breaking Bad and these shows where they kind of go right up to the edge of the cultural standard. And in that find new energy, new storylines, new heats. Because at the end of the day, and I used to have these, in '80 in, in meetings, I remember having this, these meetings with Dixie Carter, and I'm like, why wouldn't the heel say the worst thing possible?
0: Yeah. They're a
3: heel. Yeah. Why wouldn't they go after, like McGregor going after Khabib's religion and his wife? Yeah. The heel would go there. That's what a heel does. He wants to get under the baby's face's skin. So I think there's a new version of that. And I think wrestling in many ways has gotten conservative, which is antithetical to how the business is built, which is innovative forward.
0: Okay. So Ravi as someone with fresh eyes on all of this, you know, cause I'm still pretty close to it. We're literally recording this pretty much less than 24 hours. I, I experienced the entire studio wrestling thing. What, what are your thoughts on those interviews? I think
1: really interesting. And especially what Billy was saying about the rise of UFC, because, um, I don't know what it's like in America, but MMA and UFC is like absolutely huge over here in the UK. And it's it's interesting because it's kind of, um, I really don't like UFC. I think it's too brutal. And uh, I, I just really think it's a negative thing. I know people are probably going to kill me for saying that on a, on a podcast. But um, for me, wrestling has that kind of disconnect where UFC kind of really is just, feels like you're watching something grim um and you you know he's mentioning mcgregor and stuff there like i've seen video footage as everybody has seen of mcgregor going around acting like a complete idiot smashing up la doing all of this and this is the the connection between boxing uh fighting and like ufc and wrestling it's it's really odd and it's like as these kind of you know irish fighters or bare knuckle people start to enter it it gets a lot more brutal and i don't know it's it's like has the wrestling audience grown up have they grown up to want something more brutal or or you know it's it's weird i think it's it's uh, a strange thing ufc i really don't like it i prefer traditional boxing to be honest
0: the the interesting thing about accidentally doing this trilogy of sorts right so coming back to this idea that we've that we've interviewed a teacher of wrestling and a performer in wrestling and then you know a sociologist an academic a phd level person that's written a book and then going to a promoter in a studio setting which you know the studio setting is this is this is reviving this genre of wrestling in a way on a a bigger scale because obviously david has been doing it for an extended period of time there's this I think there's there's now different audiences for different aspects of the world of professional wrestling, right? I think the coming back to the original reason why this or these series of uh, episodes in various different forms came about is because I always had this fascination with wrestling's relationship to the media. and I think there's such a diverse way now in which you can get your connection to the fans out there right whether it's youtube whether it's tv whether it's forums whether it's other forms of uh, social media that it's really whatever audience you're going to attract right i think i think that's probably the answer to it and i i totally agree with you with the mma i don't really i think it is just too brutal in one respect but then again as you said, it kind of came out of street fighting, right? So it's always going to have that element to
1: it. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of come out of guys in car parks beating the crap out of each yeah. other. You know, when boxing has been about discipline and about, you know, kind of beating your opponent in the ring and that's it. And that's what's spilling out the non-kind of discipline of um, UFC, I think, or MMA with people like McGregor. But also, like I like the point that he makes about throwing money at it because... It seems like a lot of money's been chucked at UFC. And um, like with football, you know, uh, soccer in the UK, um, we have many clubs and they get managers that just chuck money at it. And if you haven't got a plan and if you haven't got a strategy, you're just chucking money at something, it's not going to work, you know.
0: Yeah, and I, I think certainly from the personalities that were in place both at the press event and at the studio taping that I was, was at, the thing that Billy, I think, has done really well, and I'm sorry if you're listening, Billy, and I don't call you William, but I'm just used to you know seeing you as Billy Corgan, is that he really brought the right people together. You know, they clearly, they love what they do, and some of them don't necessarily like each other in real life, but they're all there for a common goal, right? And I think that's the key thing. Anything that's been successful, and I know, you know, you and I, we could, we could wax lyrical about products like the Amiga. You know what I mean? That was a prime example of the right team of people being brought together but i think that's it it doesn't you can't get an amount of money that can bring that magic to the table
1: no you need you need to have a plan a strategy and you need to have a community as well and a kind of idea of of where you're going to get to
0: yeah and i think that was the really lovely thing about talking to someone like william patrick corgan i got it right that time is that he clearly understood the fans because he was a fan himself
1: the thing is we get, we, in, in soccer, we get a lot of people that go, you know, oh, this club used to be legendary or this club used to be amazing, so let's invest, but they don't have a vision for the future. And I think that's the kind of thing that you need.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly, you've hit the nail on the head there, what the National Wrestling Alliance was essentially about. It was formed in 1948, perceived as the oldest running professional wrestling outfit in a way, and then it lost momentum when the industry changed right and what billy is doing now he's trying to take that back
1: yeah and trying to look forward
0: yeah exactly and it's it was really interesting to see that in action in the studio because in a way it's never been more relevant it's it was just you know the the content is just so geared towards now that it just it shows that some things in a way particularly when you look at things whether it's simulated combat like this or theater and stuff like that it just it, it there's an element of it's not ephemeral right it, it's always going to be there in some way shape or form
1: yeah because I get I guess there's guys that like the um, the hardcoreness and the the, the kind of slobs and the fighting of it and I guess there's guys that like drama and stuff so you know maybe quite a few of the hardcore guys have gone to UFC and you could create something new or create a new kind of uh, wrestling paradigm absolutely so ravi our
0: next episode is not going to be about wrestling i'm just gonna let you know that right now <laughs> okay <laughs> but what i'm gonna do is i am going to give you a choice okay okay we can either do a brand new episode where you and i interview somebody together for the first time or we can basically take something from the archive and do part two of lee Falstein, uh moderator of the homebrew computer club
1: or... get me on the homebrew computer club stuff yeah okay then <laughs> you, i won't even you know give i love that
0: okay i won't even give you option three uh, we will just leave it at that so <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: our next episode which will be episode 25 is going to be lee falzenstein stroke lee falzenstein moderator of the homebrew computer club and there will not be a reference to professional wrestling in that episode <laughs>